What's happening? Creating space. It's West Knight. I got one of the most legendary figures in the city of Charlotte. He is unmistakable. Uh, his mural art is even more unmistakable. You could walk through the city and see pieces of beautiful artwork all throughout it, and you wouldn't know who exactly does it unless you're in the city. And if you are alive with a pulse living in the city, then you've heard this name. This is Matt Hooker one of the biggest, brightest creatives slash muralist slash artists in the city, man. And finally get to slow him down. He's been to Germany recently. He's up on a crane, 150 feet, spraying on, on walls all over the city, man. And I'm happy to get him in here. Matt Hooker, my man. Welcome What's to up, Creating man? Space. How are you, dude? Good. Psyched you, uh, psyched you asked me to do this. Uh, you know, I uh, I chased you for a while to get a Takeover Tuesday just because you, the way you vlog your life and the way you tell your own story is just so counterintuitive to what everyone else does. And it's it's brilliant, man. It's so good. It's so comical. I feel like I should see it on Saturday Night Live or, or, or just get that you're – it should have its own TV show. But anyways, we chatted not too long ago, uh, Matt, at Earl's Grocery, and we talked about – I was – I was running at 1,000 miles an hour and I couldn't keep up with my own pace. I talked about how I felt I needed to put the podcast down for a little bit. And then you talked about some times that you've been in that same space for a while. And then it made me more curious as to, man, I'd like to learn a little bit more of Matt Hooker's life. How has he gotten to a place where he's, you know, one of the high ticket dollars to get companies to bring him over and to create the most beautiful murals. So I just want to sit in, man. I want to learn. First thing for that I ask everyone in the show is, what are you grateful for, man? What are you excited about right now? I mean, bottom line, I'm grateful that I get to paint for a living. It's, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, what a life hack, man. Like, come on, let's, let's take a second for that. You paint for a living, man. Yeah. 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 Code. Um, so yeah, but that's, that's the main thing. I mean, you, you, I can't overlook that every day. It's like, I paint for a living. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, like I, I, I talked to my buddy Jordan the other day and he's a, uh, he's a designer. He's got a clothing company and we were, just, we were talking about the same question. And it's like <clears throat> with every aspect of life, I think my, my underlying goal with anything is to not to take as little for granted as possible, which is a, it's a cool exercise. It's difficult, you know, but it, it's, it's a good way to stay kind of on the same, on the right, uh, ish course. I think it translates to, to anything you do, you know, it, it's something that is useful in any endeavor or not even endeavor. You know, you don't have to be ambitious to be grateful for stuff. I think, uh, just not taking things for granted. So, so the, the, the practice of gratitude, is that something that you've newly introduced into your life or were, were you kind of raised in a family where that was a practice that was unanimous or talk to me about that? It's not every day you walk around and hear people talking about, I, I consistently practice gratitude within my day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and that's the, that's the key word practice, you know, um, it is a practice for sure. Um, I mean, I grew up, pretty normal Northeast household. I grew up in a suburb of Boston and my mom tried her best to raise us Catholic and that fully, fully decayed by the time I was like 13 and was old enough to push back harder. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the gratitude thing, I think, I think a big, um, proponent of that with my life personally is a uh, yoga practice. You know, the, um, like I went through teacher training a couple years ago, um, uh, and just, you know, that, that's a big thing with, with the, the yogic world. Are you into yoga at all? I'm not, I am. Into, I'm a big practicer. I've not yet gained the courage to get in and take my teacher training course. Not yet, but I, I do believe I'm going to do it at some point. You'll, uh, you'll enjoy it a lot. It, it, depending on where you go and what you want out of it, you know, there's different, of course, there's different, uh, schools in town and, or even outside of town. There's a couple in Nashville that are really reputable, but um, depending on what you want to get out of it, you know, 
I, I would love to see you on the other side of that. It'd be cool. So yeah. I think you might, you might levitate, but the way you, you go at shit, you know, you might actually just like hover like a bullet train above the ground for the rest of the, the rest of the game. Yeah, you I don't know, know if you can handle that. Well, it was so cool to see that, you know, we met last year when I was running a campaign trying to build awareness around the podcast and just trying to figure out how to use co-marketing type strategies to celebrate people who had a creating space mindset, who were doing things differently and looking at life and interpreting life a little bit differently. We met from there and I started to notice little things like from the selection of people that you hang around to the selection of cars and antique uh, vehicles that you, that you have. And we'll get to that at some point, but you just seem so mindful in the selection of the things that you do and the energies that you put yourself around. So I was surprised, but I wasn't really, when I heard that you were an actual certified yoga instructor, I was just like, ah, that's just something Matt would do. It feels like you're the guy where if you've got something on your, on your mind or on your heart and you want to do it, it's just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that and be able to, to experience that. Is that, is that your mindset? Yeah, it, it was funny, man. I, I had been toying with it for, for a couple, like a couple years. Like when I moved down here 10 years ago, 10 ish years ago, um, I was, I saved a bunch of money and I just, I wanted to learn a martial art. So I started taking Muay Thai over at, uh, ultimate gym, which used to be a Nota, but before that it was on Tryon. And at some point after getting my ass handed to me day in, day out, I was like, you know what? I should probably stretch. I should probably do the, the yin side of things. So I Googled yoga. Yoga One came up. This was when they were on 1111 uh, Central in the basement. And I got to be friends with Christine Navarro, who I think she's like in California now. I don't know if you, did you ever know her? I did not. I've heard her name, but I've, I've never met her. She was a badass. Uh, she still is, I'm sure, somewhere. But um, she, uh, we became friends and she started teaching at B Yoga on East Boulevard. And I remember there was one day where I said, I finally committed in my head. I said to myself, I am going to, all right, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, max out a credit card or whatever, whatever I have to do. And I made that meant the next day I opened up, you know, the web browser and I started, uh, I was about to Google, like, where should I go? And I saw an email from her and she said, I want you to, uh, I want you to come do some stencil work at the, the new studio on the walls and we can either pay you in a shit ton of yoga classes or we could put you on our teacher training. And I was like, it was like some <laughs> of course of course man but you had been pulsing and attracting that into your life for a while and it wasn't until you confirmed it to the universe that it became real right until i committed and and kind of stepped off the ledge as i call it you know like you if you don't make that leap you're never going to hit that net or fly or whatever you know i just got you i just got chills there and i i love that you've taken this in the direction that i was hoping it was going to go and you did it so quickly i just listen it it just contributes to the type of person you are, which leads me to this next great question is, I believe so wholeheartedly in manifestation. I believe I am a product of it. I mean, posters on my wall didn't have any white uh, wall space in my wall. It was all professional athletes. When I was young, it was all I thought about. When I was daydreaming in my school class, like ADHD, like you said, man, I I levitate. I'm doing backflips with all the energy I've got. But I just believed it to be true, and I, it was almost as if I already knew it in my mind. And I was—it was a matter of time, me just figuring out how to find the path of least resistance to get there. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of what happened with you with art, where you were very artistic as a youth, and you knew you were talented at it, and you kind of sketched it? How, let's talk about the beginning moments of you figuring out that you were an artist at heart. Um, some of my earliest memories were, were sitting on the floor in my room. I might've been three, three and a half or four. Uh, one of, one of the earliest memories was, was actually writing out like a language, almost like some, some Tolkien type Elvish shit, like writing out an alphabet that I had made up and then, uh, but yeah, drawing, you got the construction paper and the crayons and all that stuff. And I was wait, always wait, like... Three, year, three years old, constructing your own language? That is... I mean, it didn't function, but it was, you know, yeah. little hieroglyphs or whatever. Like, of course. Uh, yeah. It, you couldn't translate it into English now, but... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I should see if I can find all that shit. I actually found a sketchbook of mine from like sixth grade. It is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> 
I, I bet though, I bet it took you back in the nostalgia of that, where it all yeah. had begun. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, but, it, yeah, it was always like the artsy kid, you know, I was excelled at that and sucked at math and everything else. And then, sure. you know, um, from there, uh, I thought about going to mass art, uh, you know, when I still lived up north and the college thing, like applying to it and getting a portfolio together and this and that, like that just, my brain, my brain doesn't work like that. Like uh, grant writing and shit like that. I've never yeah. applied for a grant. I've never gotten, never done any of that stuff. It's just, um, I don't know, kind of working man's artist, I think, you know, like sure. I think sure. there are people that do it very smart and they don't necessarily break their backs on a, a ladder or a lift. Um, but they still get paid very well and they still get the, the acclaim and the esteem and everything. And I just don't work like that. I got to kill myself, you know, mm-hmm. find what you love and let it kill you. I'm not going to lie to you. You, you embody that man. And I, I love to watch it. I've, I, I feel weird from time to time I hit you up. And I'm like, dude, I just kind of want to come around and be around the energy when you guys are creating. Cause it inspires me really? and it breaks my own like limiting beliefs. So let's talk about it, man. Like was your dad creative, mom creative? What, where did that bone come from? Can you, do you have, you trace that back to see where that sort of uh, direction began? No one on either side really drew or like I play guitar as well. That's, that was the initial dream. I wanted to, I was supposed to be touring with Metallica or whatever, you know, when I was 25, <laughs> but it didn't work out. Right. Um, that was, that was it. I had like a double, like art kind of fell by the wayside in my twenties. I would paint still, but it wasn't like a pursuit. It was music. Yeah. And uh, kids don't try to make money in a metal band. It's not going to work unless, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but no, uh, nobody in my family, except my dad's great uncle, I think like old dude, I never met him, but he, um, he was artistic. He helped. God, my brother met him cause he lived in Connecticut and my brother lives up there, yeah. but he's long gone now. He, um, he was artistic, like an engineer is artistic, like an architect is artistic. You know, they can draw, but it wasn't like a paint pretty pictures type of situation. He worked for NASA in some capacity. So, wow. um, that's the only person I can think of on either side that I know of that was artistic, and I never met that guy. So, so in the family, obviously the create creative gene comes in the way it comes, but the the component of figuring out that you think differently than a large majority of society where we go to these infrastructures we call school systems that teach people to think in one way and condition them to learn and fit into society in the capacity that, you know, fits for a large dense group. But there is another subset of human beings who think in a different platitude, um, Mm -hmm. When did you start to have to figure out your place in the world operating, going from like a little bit different of an operating system, so to speak? When I, uh, definitely when I quit my full-time job, I had a, I had a full-time job. What? Right out of high school. Yeah, dude. I used to work in a corporate office and for like most of my twenties. Um, wait, 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 really? I did not know that. Yeah. I had like a button up biz cash office job. Holy smokes. It was the, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was what the were you doing? What, what was your job description? I was a typesetter. So I would, uh, I would edit quarterly reports that lawyers would send in scribble on, on these boring ass form, form 10 K and form 10 Q Google those. And, and it'll make you fall asleep immediately. As soon as you open it. <laughs> Um, yeah, my, my old man was in financial printing for a long time and he got me into the, the business when I was still in high school. Uh, and then he left for a competitor and blah, blah, sure. blah, I moved to Colorado and stuff. But I stayed because it was like the Northeast is so expensive. Living in Boston was so expensive. And it's like all my buddies were going through like the three job, you know, work week, uh, trying to make ends meet. And I, I had a comfortable job and I stuck there. I was in that warm bath soaking in my own comfortable filth for 10 years, man. And then finally it just got to be too much. I love the way you talked about that. Uh, what was your mindset when you, you talk about soaking in it? Um, obviously you're probably starting to prune. You're probably starting yeah. to stench from the inside. Yeah. Were you toxic at any point? Like not fun to be around and know, and knowingly so. 
brutal. I was really? such a what was that like? It was awful. It, it was so bad. I mean, sitting in an office chair deteriorated my body to the point of like I couldn't lift my arm over my head because my shoulders were jacked up and I was pissed all the time. I was grinding my teeth in my sleep, sweating in my sleep, just a dick to everybody I knew, grumpy as fuck. Just it was awful. And uh, I think a lot of people are they sit in that warm bath because they don't want to get out. They don't want to get cold for a second and then dry off. But you're sitting, kind of just stewing, you know, um, metaphorically, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awful, dude. It was like Groundhog's Day, Bill Murray, you know, like same shit, different day. I became that guy. Same shit, different day, man. You know? So, what were you daydreaming about when you start to? Um, ideate and you start to create a narrative of man if I know this is not it but I don't know what is next kind of what were you what were you stewing on while you were stewing um, at that point the band started to kind of fall by the wayside I had a it was just more and more exhausting to get out there and play for nobody you know we weren't getting any traction but a buddy of mine came over one night to have some beers and he saw a painting I did years before and he was like, can I buy that off you? And I was like, yeah. So I sold him like this. It was like a two foot by three foot canvas for like 250 bucks or something like that, like chump change. And, but it was like, I, lo- I remember looking at the cash being like, Whoa, what, what just happened? You know, <laughs> I got to send him a, I, I chatted with him last week. First time in like six or seven years, I got to send him a thank you card for that. Uh, Actually, that is is definitely, that's that's a huge pivotal moment in your life. Yeah, for sure. That was like, it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to to pinpoint those, but that was definitely one of them. That was like that, that catalyst of like, wait a minute. Oh shit. I don't have to split this with three other dudes. And I didn't have to drive out to La Crosse, Wisconsin to play to no one, you know, like. (laughs) There's another way, right? There's another way. Yeah. So, uh, so I started after that, I started kind of ideating on, well, shit, could I, could I do this? Could I make it with, I remember saying like, I would love to be able to pay my rent. Like that's what I said verbatim. I would love to be able to pay my rent with art. And it took another three years to do it, I think. And then another 13 or 10 or 12 or whatever it's been to, buy a house and live off art and only okay, have. So, so we're, we're there and I cannot wait to get to that moment where we see you flourishing. But what I really love to talk about is to get to, to a person like yourself and to say, what were your limiting beliefs? What were mm-hmm. some of the things that you were sitting at, looking at, hearing yourself, the inner critic that was telling you, you can't do it or you don't know how to do it, or it can't work, or did you deal with those? Was it because you were so fed up with what you were currently experiencing that it was easy enough motivation to just begin? Talk to me about that, that point in your, in your life. Um, when I moved down here, so that, that big turning point was 2007. I packed my stuff into a U-Haul, drove down here. Um, a buddy of mine had a house up in North Lake, and he had a spare room, so I stayed with him. And, uh, I mean, before I even unpacked my stuff, I was in the garage painting, you know, and, um, but that was my little studio for a while. And it was, I mean, shit, dude, I still have that voice of like, there's no way I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you wouldn't believe how brutal I am with my ability, you know, like, um, the lack of confidence and the, um, Coming up with stuff, um, the creative process is is painful as shit. Uh, it's it's the 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 beautiful girl that calls herself ugly. It's the in shape dude that says he has a dad bod or whatever. You know, like it's that. Sure. Like from the outside, it's kind of people are like, wait, you know, you beat yourself up creatively, and it's but in my head, it's it's brutal. Um, you gotta, so what's, your, what's your relationship like with that guy? Uh, I try not to run away from him. That's the thing. Like, just got to stand and face him, I guess. Um, 
I think you need a little air horn. And if I get off on a tangent, just squeeze it real quick. Cause I'm real good at tangents, man. I like I'm following good. you. I like, I like following you. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it, what's he, what's he saying to you most recently? I saw you just completed a, a mural inside of K1 shorts daughter's place. You and, and Matt Moore, mm-hmm. uh, one of your partners. We'll talk a little bit about that, how you guys have built that as well. But w- what are you currently experiencing with that guy um, in your life right now? The, the doubter, the, uh, the doubter yeah. within. Yeah. Um, I'm experiencing it's, it's never easy with him. He's an awful, he's an awful uh, roommate in my head. Um, I think a lot of it is comparison to other artists, you know, like who give me, give me someone that you're looking towards and modeling around. Um, Shit. It's funny you ask me that and, and then they all just kind of disappear. Uh, <laughs> God, there's, um, there's a dude on, uh, I follow him on Instagram, but I can't remember his name, of course. Uh, oh, he goes by Telmo, T-E-L-M-O-M-E-I-L, Telmo Meal, Telmo Mile, something like that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of them, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm kind of I'm currently trying to look him up to get a visual on him. T E L. Yep. T E L M O. M O. M E I L. I believe two two words. Got it. Okay. Now this makes sense. Holy smokes! Yeah. All right. So you're cur- you're currently always comparing yourself. There's the inner critic that's telling you it's not good enough. You need to start over, yeah. or you, you can't even begin it. It's too big of a project. Kind of, is that sort of what I'm hearing? For sure. Um, it's not original enough. The thought is not being conveyed. The, uh, it looks too much like this. It looks like you ripped off so-and-so or, you know, um, I, I, the biggest, the biggest thing, it's not so much, um, a case by case, like in the creative process. I, I couldn't say like with, with each new mural that comes out, like it's a case by case thing that I could illustrate what goes through my head it's this underlying thing of this scenario that hasn't happened yet. And what it is, is what if in the future I get invited by some, you know, group of killers. Cause there's a bunch of them out there. Like the, um, secret walls. There's a lot of secret walls events. They call them, uh, with some of the best mural painters in the world. They all get together and they, uh, in a different city every year, it's kind of like a art Basel type thing, but, um, specifically for wall art, you know, for mural art. Yeah. Uh, and the scenario is I get invited to one of those. somehow. The rookie gets invited and I get this wall and they've supplied me with art and everybody's watching and I can't turn out shit. I, you know, like it's the, it's the give a speech in your underwear or show up, you know, show up yeah. in your underwear type dream. Um, so it's, it's kind of an abstracted thing, but, uh, you either feed that wolf or you don't, I guess. And, I don't know. I got too much work to do to feed it. So fuck it. Yeah. I love that story of, of you got two wolves to feed, man, the good or the evil, which, which one wins. And that's the one you feed. So when you're feeding the good wolf, what helps you break free? Um, it's from that. It's just, uh, actually doing the work. Like I can't stand sitting and sketching. That's the, that's the painful part, sketching and, and, pulling the, the, the stuff out of the ether. Um, once we get going on a wall, everything kind of melts away and it's good. It's game time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not running suicides anymore and you're not, it's just, you go into autopilot for the most yep. part. Yeah. So interesting. I watched a really quick documentary on Steve Nash It's on Netflix. It's called Nash. And he said the same thing during that run where he should have won back-to-back-to-back MVP awards in the NBA. He actually lost it to his former teammate, Dirk Nowitzki. He talked about after this, even during those times where he was the best player in the world, he still felt like before he would warm up, he still felt like he didn't deserve to be in the NBA, like he was the worst basketball player in the NBA. And it wasn't until he got done with his pre-warm-up and got into shooting drills to get himself warm and he got into action and he was like, ah, okay, I deserve to be here. I, I am Steve Nash. No matter where you are, we deal with that. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what, as you've grown and as you keep 
executing and pushing through and acting to get through your inner critic into like your, your inner superhero. What's been your best creation so far? Oof. Piece wise, like mural wise or painting wise. Let's talk about best creation of self, best creation of, of murals. Are, are those synonymous? When you are your best self, do you create your best work? Or when you are your darkest self, do you create your best work? I hate to say it, but I think I have to suffer for it. I really do. Like the insomnia, not insomnia, but the, um, you know, when we were at K1s, uh, we worked 19 hours one day. I didn't get off that wall for 19 hours. I mean, and that's with like pee breaks and that's it. Really? Mm -hmm. One day. It was one day, but because we had the holiday coming up, it was like two days before Christmas or something. And I left just totally depleted. And I think, uh, you know, Fedor Emelianenko, heavyweight. Okay. Heavyweight fighter for anybody that doesn't know. One of the, one of the top heavyweights in the, in uh, MMA of all time, Russian guy, obviously. And he talks about, uh, the end of the day, the end of the training day when he's completely spent, he can barely lift his arms to drive home. He's like, I like that feeling. It's, it's that, that, and I, I get what that feels like. Um, to some extent, I never worked out like him, but you know, I, I trained in MMA for a little bit for like a, the better part of two years. And it was a nice feeling to like need that shower and need that sleep and need that food at the end or whatever. Sure. And that's kind of what I felt like after that day. It was like, I put everything into it that day and now I can go die. Thank you. <laughs> um, you feel I like run. you leave a piece of yourself on every piece of artwork. You th- you feel like you should right? literally and figuratively there's blood in there. There's, you know, all sorts of there's tears in there. Sometimes I <laughs> blend it. No, so, there's, um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, there's, it might sound kind of corny and cliche or whatever, but yeah, we put, we pour everything into it. So you've got, uh, I've got a piece of artwork, a couple of pieces of artwork by a very young individual Rocco. who's been inspired by you and Andy Rocco. Like Andy Rocco. he came up and we chatted, listen, we chatted about 30 minutes on you and Matt Moore and just how you guys have just helped him navigate his young career and decisions to make and failures and how to interpret those you've pulled yourself to a space now where you're it's the art of duplication which in my mind i believe that one of the most powerful things you can become as a human being on this earth is a mentor and a teacher right Mm -hmm. where you have you have ventured a, a a path in a way that other people who aspire to go on a similar path could come and learn and take from you and your arsenal, so to speak. They can reach inside your backpack and and carry on their own journey. When you have people who are younger than you, who are much more inexperienced and who are looking up at you, wanting to be like you, and they come to introduce themselves or to marvel at your work, what do you, what are you sure that you, you let them know about the journey that they're embarking on? Um, the biggest thing is uh, it can happen. You know, don't, don't harbor that disbelief for any longer than you need to. You know, let that go as quick as possible. Because um, it's frustrating as shit, man, uh, in the early years, especially when you you have so much stacked against you as an artist. Like that's one thing about my parents. You asked, uh, if there's any art artistic, you know, um, people in my family that I might've gotten that from not really, but what I did get was a good incubator for that, that, uh, for that culture to grow. You know, they, they, they were very like, Hey, we're not going to push you towards going to Boston college or being a CPA or having the safe bet. So that's one thing I try to I try to instill where it's like, look at me, I'm a hundred air baby. Like I can, I did it, you can do it. You know, like I got a, I got a, a seventy one Ford and a two thousand two Saab, and they're all paid for, man. Shit is mine, but um, it's it's I try to instill that you know uh, one, it's possible, it can happen, just don't quit, um, and two. Uh, the big thing is produce the work and don't, don't get caught up in um, the institutions. Like, like you have to please the gallery world. You ha- 
the milestone is like, uh, if I get a gallery show, if I get a, a show in a, in a reputable gallery, then I'll make it or something. It's like, nah, cause I, I've had, I got a couple gallery shows early on when I moved down here and nothing sold and it was crushing, crushing to my being. Why'd you keep uh, going? Why? Because shit, why did I keep going? Cause that's what you do, I guess. I don't know. Um, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to do construction overnight at you know the red lobster kitchen like remodel i did that for a while i didn't want to do that shit i didn't want to go back to the financial printing world i didn't want to i didn't have no other choice you put yourself in such a position that there was no other choice right no burn the bridge behind you leave no retreat is that your advice like for the person who's maybe not an artist but they're sitting at a desk or a job or you know they're working on a construction site and they've got this podcast in their ear and they hate it they hate it, man. Dread going in on Mondays. They feel like they don't know what they want. Is the advice jump immediately and then go figure it out? Is it begin a partial pivot and create the second bridge? Talk to me about your mindset throughout that or, or your advice to them in this position. It's tough because my, my advice to people that are sort of already on that path is pretty cut and dry. It's like, do what you want. And I don't mean like just go crazy and be an anarchist and go, you know, smack people if you feel like it or whatever, but keep doing the things that you like and that you want. And eventually the road will kind of rise up to meet you. Um, for the people that don't know what they want, that is one of those, it just makes my, it gives me an anxiety attack to think like, what if I didn't know, you know, what I, I don't know, man, that's, that's frightening to me. Like people are like, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know what I want to do. And I'm like, you don't have a dream. You don't have like that, whether yeah. it be, you don't have anything, you know, and some people that's fine. Like they don't need that. They like that stability of the nine to five. It doesn't bother them to be a weekend warrior, you know, whatever it's, and that's cool. That's a big part of society, but the people that hate it, but don't know what the, the, the other game plan is like, Ooh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I wish I could tell you something, but the people that do have the game plan, but they don't know how to get to it yet. Just, just keep going forward. Just keep, uh, set that course and don't change direction. You know, what's the best decision you've made in your life thus far? Quitting that full-time job for sure. Moving back down here and quitting that full-time benefit, you know, paycheck, Sure bet. Cutting the cord, as I call it. I love it. You cut the cord. You had to go out on your own a bit like a bit like Simba and the Lion King. You had to f- leave Pride Rock to figure out who Simba was, right? And mm-hmm. I, uh, I, along the way, have an incredible mentor in my life that I just ran, in, ran into. He's a bit of a Rafiki in my life. He changed the way my paradigms were. Um, and it's made me aware of just how important relationships are and and certain people are going to come into your life and they're going to help shift you in the direction that you should go. Are there any particular relationships that you've had since cutting the cord that have been vital to your success? Yeah, for sure. Um, my buddy, Brian Pierce, uh, yeah, I mean, first my buddy Clint that, that I lived with, like, I mean, he drove his truck up and we rented a U-Haul. He drove to Massachusetts and dragged me back down here, which was enormous. I told him this on Saturday. He got, he got a a few too many in him and he was like, bro, I'm so proud of you, man. And I was like, dude, (laughs) you drove me, man. You drove me down here. But my buddy Brian was, uh, I met him year, like seven or eight years ago. And he was the dude that had that construction gig. And he threw me, threw me that gig when I was just dead broke. I mean, he slid a bowl of macaroni across the table at Rira one night because I was literally a starving artist, you know. But he wanted to get out of his job. It was a, it was a, you know, lucrative uh, construction job, and but he hated it. But he wanted to act. And seeing what I had done, even though I was struggling my ass off, he eventually cut the cord. And I mean, he's he's been on like Nashville and. Uh, He's been on The Voice and shit. Like he's yeah, he's yeah. done all sorts of shit. Yeah, it's rad. So it's kind of a pay it forward type thing with him. And we we kind of 
symbiotic uh, relationship. So that was that was a big a big thing because he helped me when I was down, and then I kind of helped him with with setting that. You know, he followed the tracks in the snow, uh, I guess, uh, and just knew that it was possible you weren't going to starve to death. You know, so that's cool to see. That was a, that's a good relationship. So you got a, you've got tons of people that sound like they've, they've held you accountable and they pushed you through and you've been able to reciprocate that. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, the guy that you are now, what are some of the, some of the key components of you as a human being right now that if someone were to say, let's imagine each quality of you to be a different jewel that someone could steal, right? If I were to come into your house, and could steal any piece of you that, that is available, right? Which yeah. one would you protect with, with everything you had? Which piece of you do you like most? Fuck. In my infinity gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. My ability to grow hair. I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I've never seen someone who could shave with a straight razor, turn around the next morning and have a full beard. Yeah, I can hold a sneeze in and it's like <laughs> play um, Now, uh, I think, I think um, maybe the introspective uh, quality, just because that has helped me navigate through some, Nah, empathy, empathy. I think I'm I'm good with empathy. Sure, I'll say that about myself. You got a big heart, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think what's so. what's your favorite way to care for other people? Um, letting them uh, letting them know that they're they're not crazy for feeling the way they feel. You know, um, a lot of people kind of want to shake off their, their emotions, especially the ones that aren't really that palatable, you know, but sure. letting people know that, uh, it's all right to be human. Um, showing that, that common bond where it's like, I've been there, you know, if I, if I can relate, then I, I, I am outspoken about relating to, to someone else's problems or, or, you know, hardships or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think empathy's uh lacking these days in a lot of a lot of ways, a lot of aspects of life. I think we could use a lot more of it, especially with all the back and forth with the polarized uh, politics and, and holy smokes you know, races and sexes and all that shit. Do you feel like the more you learn and the more you grow in the world, do you feel like it? And I'm, and I'm, the reason I ask this is I'm dealing with this. I've always been an extrovert. Yeah. Seemingly, or an ambivert at least in between, because I do need my time. Right. Myself, I do need to charge. But the more I learn and the more I recognize like pain and, and the more empathy that grows in me as I discover my own pain points in my life, right? It's an inside out job the harder it is for me to get in society and get around different energies and the more I feel it affects me. Do you have that problem also? Like where you begin to feel like maybe you're regressing away from society to a degree? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I truth be told, I'm not really the most, not really ever been the most extroverted dude, but I definitely, uh, I liken my, my, state uh day to day is is like a, a perfect crisp white sweater and like bad emotions are just like mud getting thrown on it man that shit Ooh. stains me deep it's crazy like yeah yeah i can be bad vibes and shit like i feel it hard i was i've always been like that like i would uh remember that movie stand by me <laughs> yeah yeah when it shows the dead kid at the end it's not gory or anything but like and it's you know Dude, that fucked me up for days. I was like bumming, bumming around and just like, I don't know what it was. I've always been like a little too sensitive, I think. But sure. um, yeah, man. I, and I think what you're saying is like the more you kind of dig deeper and uh, 
uncover, I don't know, peel back the onion that is you, uh, it's less armor on, you know, and, and there's more, I don't know, you got more channels out there that are open to take shit in. Your shutter's open wider probably. And that's probably why you're feeling shit more. Or why it affects you, I guess. I, I love I love the process of of digging a little bit deeper, man, and discovering a little bit. And I you know, I'm at a place now where um I'm seeing some things that I never wanted to look at in the sense of like that self love component, you know, just keep getting deeper down into that. Um, where, where are you with, with your sense of self and, um, your comfort of, of you and, and being around, I, I can't imagine you ever having a mask, so to speak. <laughs> I can't imagine you ever have an armor. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, where I'm at now, do you ever journal, you ever journaled or ever kept one? I've got uh, about six journals I'm looking at right now. Give me one second. I'll pull them over here. So for the viewers here, um, these are the six journals that I kept between the years of 2013 to 2015 when I was suicidal, like the suicidal run in my life where I was at a place that just, I wouldn't wish on anyone like existential angst in a sense. Like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I, I got to a place that I thought I wanted to get to and I got all this shit coming up and I don't know what to do with it. So to answer that question, I'm excited that you would ask that. It's the one thing when someone asks me, what w- I'm feeling sad and I need some help, what would you recommend? My first recommendation is to go to the Dollar Tree, get a $1 journal and a $1 pen and write. Yeah. And just, just let the pen lead, guide you. Um, you're a big journaler, I assume. I was religiously from 2000, I think eight to, I mean, I still keep one, but I don't write in it like I did. I mean, if I missed like two days back in the day, it would be like, uh, you know, I I would write about that. But, um, yeah, I pulled mine out recently looking for some, I got a bunch of shit in a closet downstairs and, uh, I found a stack of them. And, um, I think that that is, it's really valuable to, to do that, especially if you are creative and you're trying to make it and you're very frustrated and, you know, because I put all that, all that unsuredness and anger and and just that kind of, um, the unpalatable emotions, I guess I put them into a place where it didn't pollute anything else. It didn't shape anyone else's uh, view of me. I didn't become that whiny artist who's got a a bloated sense of entitlement. You know, I I have heard some artists recently that just kind of shit on where they're at and shit on the scene and talk shit about other artists and this. And it's like, we're all kind of frustrated, man. Like there's, but now I, I think of you like a, um, you just remember people as a certain way if if they're staying on the same shit every time you see them. You know, like yeah. it starts to shape your subconscious view of them or even your conscious view of them. And uh, the shit I was writing upstairs, you know, like all, all the journals are up there, like about where I was at art wise and and about the um, the the state of you know the art scene as I knew it in Charlotte, what seven or eight years ago. Uh, it's brutal to read now, but, um, it's valuable for me to see that because I, I, it gives me that I'm thankful, more thankful now where I am. So that's, that's why I asked that. I just, uh, just curious if, if you had that, that kind of time capsule into what, what it was like to be in that skin at that time. Yeah. Do you, do you ever read back and go like, Oh buddy, if you only knew it was all good. <laughs> there was uh there was a point in my life where I was going through a breakup also. It was like a breakup of my life and a breakup of my girl. And it was all a breakup of my body, my knee. It was all at one time. And I would go back and I look at specifically, I was just looking the other day, Matt. It's funny that you bring this up. I was looking at, I was sitting in the airport terminal at Vancouver airport and I was leaving Vancouver for which I knew 
for which was going to be the rest of my life. I'd been there seven years. I had become a professional athlete there. I had like built the life in my head that I had always dreamt. And it felt like I was ripping myself away from something that I worked so hard to get. And so when you feel attached to something that ri- anyways, I was writing about how sad I was and how I just really did not want to do this. And in my heart, I knew I needed to, but yada, yada, yada. And I literally closed it because it was super painful to read, but then also almost comical in the sense of, bro, if you'd have never done that, you know, the things that you've been able to do since that moment. And if you'd have never given yourself that opportunity, you would still be stuck in that city trying to wear that armor and protect that piece of yourself and keep that time like almost crystallized, you know? Um, Is there a moment in your life that you look back to fondly like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's several. Um, One thing that I really miss was how like everything I, I noticed after reading through one of them, like my day, my time, was so valuable to me, even though I was the only one that really was pulling the strings. Like I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the the full-time job I had. I think I might've had like one or two part-time jobs, but they weren't that invasive on my time. So it was like, I got to get to the gym. I like every hour of the day was so valuable to me. And, uh, and it was just that, nothing was arbitrary. Nothing was, everything mattered. And it was, it was exhausting in hindsight, but, um, it was, it was cool to see that too. Like, uh, cause now sometimes every now and again, I'll get a little too much time and I'll take it for sure. stuff, you know, but, um, not how do you, do, how do you do with, how do you deal with boredom? Oh, how do I deal with boredom? Apparently boredom is vital to creatives, right? It like allows you to, get stuck just enough to want and desire to work again. It also allows your mind to force to force yourself to be creative. Maybe, I don't know. Do you feel boredom is a, is a valuable component to people? Mm, yeah. It, it, yeah. It depends on what you do with it. You know, some people are really good at not being bored. I'm not really one of them. Some people are really creative with uh finding ways to to beat boredom and i will uh smartphones don't help you know like (laughs) that's the big escape for sure you just all right well just look at this um yeah i wouldn't say i need boredom but i guess it's not a bad thing if i never really thought of it like that that it's kind of a necessary component I was watching some, I gave some internet view and it was talking about the importance of teaching your kids to be bored, to sit and do nothing, to figure out how to creatively figure out their time, which leads me to a place you talked about time, time and freedom and autonomy are extreme core values of me. I need to own my time. I need to own my ability to move and do what I want and the, to, the ability to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your core values. Like what is you, your principles as a human being, what, what moves you forward and what's vastly important to you in your life as a, as a, as a man? Um, hmm. Damn, man. I thought I was deep, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, I'm hitting these little walls where I've never actually really thought about that shit. What is important to me? Yeah, there's a bunch of shit that's important to me, but obviously all... creativity, obviously creativity is huge, right? The ability to create, right? But yeah, if someone were to take away something, what would you fight so hard to keep? Like, what was it about the job that you had? What was it taking from you that you wanted to get back? Time for sure. That was a big thing. Mm. It was time your your own time um and what you do with it is super important my own time and what i do with it is super important to me i'm one of the rare people that's on time to shit um i'm not that 15 minute late type of dude i think we got started at nine nine fifty eight today right yeah yeah like a german train uh (laughs) 
but yeah, time, time management. Um, and, uh, I guess lately I've been using it pretty shittily because of this, the smartphone, um, getting my ass out of bed and stuff. But, uh, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made? Not doing it sooner. Um, not, not leaving that job sooner. <clears throat> Wait until I was 27 to do it rather than 22. You know, yeah. I was in Europe in August and, um, I was in Berlin and I was actually at a coffee shop with my journal open, having a, a tiny little coffee, an annoyingly small coffee that they got over there. <laughs> and, uh, I heard this girl pick up a phone call and she was American. And so after she was done, I was like, where are you from? She said, Portland, Oregon. And she was like 21 years old or something. It's like, what are you doing over here? She's like, I just, I'm out of college and I just wanted to come here. So I'm here for like two months. And I was like, you're going to look back and, and thank yourself for doing that at 21. Cause I'm like 30, 30, how old are you hooker? 37. Shit. No way. Mm, There's no way. That's younger than I thought, man. Well, all right. I see you, bro. Wait, you thought I was older? <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, you don't you, you don't help me out with the white in the beard, man. You know what I mean? But 37, yeah. you're 10 years. Do you feel like you hear it so many times, 10,000 hours, 10 years. Do you feel like it took you about that long to finally get your footing? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, part of it was... Uh, Honestly, I don't know, and I'm not just saying this because it's his birthday today, but Matt Moore, I, I think both of us are we're powerful on our own, but we're like an epoxy when you put us together. There's, uh, I don't believe that I would be um, a full-time 100-air artist without uh, our partnership. You know, there is strength in numbers there. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, the the ten year thing though. I mean, that was, I think, uh, doing it gradually, like having some part time jobs and painting small and small canvases and stuff, and just kind of treating everything like it was the big stage. That's that's a huge component. Like one thing about those journals, like every little commission that I wrote about painting some, you know, a couple standing in front of like the 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 castle at Disneyland with the big three from the Celtics standing behind them. That was a commission I did. Like it was like these two people standing there and then you got Garnett and Paul Pierce. And, uh, who's the other one? Good God. Bad Boston fan. Ray Ray Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a commission I did. And like, but reading back to those journals, it was like, everything was the big stage. It was like, everything mattered so much, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, now that now that we're we're doing the bigger stuff and it's still the same and it's it's we bleed for it for sure. So So as we round this thing out, you, you mentioned your relationship with Matt Moore and for those listeners who aren't sure, they're a dynamic duo in the city. They knock out I'm sure a lot of things separately, but a lot of what they do, the big murals they do together. Yeah. No, almost everything is together, man. Unless it's like a, we don't do wedding portraits anymore. But if there's a close friend that needs a wedding portrait, I'll handle our, you know, I'll handle yeah. mine. Yeah. So, uh, as the podcast has shifted, the direction, the questions are now more about pushing the the idea of manifestation and the law of the law of attraction, or the you know you mentioned the secret and such and vision casting speaking things to exist into existence you've gotten to a level now i would love to know with you and matt moore the dynamic being as powerful if not more powerful than it's ever been capable of doing and taking on just about whatever you want what would be the next best job for you guys the top of the top the super bowl of what your arena is or what you would like to keep as your capacity. What does that look like? Within the scope of just Charlotte or just in general? Where I'd, I, I want to go as big as you want to go. Cause there's no reason a kid from easily South Carolina should have ever played in the MLS. 
There's no reason that Matt Hooker cannot do whatever it is and paint wherever it is he wants to paint. Yeah, and I, I disagree with yours, and I agree with mine. <laughs> why, why wouldn't a kid from – where are you from? Easily? Exa- exactly, yeah. Just, just like – Smack dead in between Clemson, South Carolina, and Greenville. You know, no one has ever from the city of, from the state of South Carolina. No one had ever gone pro in soccer. Just there was no map. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the question would be: Is you the winner got, got the engine for it? <laughs> but I know backflips is one thing I got. I'm trying to dig. I'm trying to stick my handstand now. Um, what does that look like? Is it windward walls? Is that we uh, did that? You've done that. 2014. Holy shit. All right. So now what, like, what's the stage? Where, where are we, where are you guys ideally? What would it, where would you be? What would you be doing? For me, uh, I would love to go to Europe and paint something big. You know, um, I would love to, uh, yeah, I'd love to go to Europe. Uh, I'm at this point where the dreams that I had written down almost to a T, it's kind of freaky. Like the, this sounds so corny, but I wanted a white station wagon back in the day. I wanted a white Buick. No Mazda. Like a, I wanted like a Mazda three or six or whatever, like one of the, but a station wagon and I have a yeah. white, it's not a Mazda, but it's a white station wagon. I wanted a, a, a triumph, uh speed triple, which is a type of motorcycle. I have a, a Ducati, which looks a lot like it. It was like kind of modeled after that. And then, uh, yeah, I wanted to be able to buy a house just, just from artwork. And I did all those things and that's all material shit, but it's, it's stuff that I wrote down, you know, like 10 years. Of course. Um, to write something new down. I want you, I want you to vision cast for me right now. It's the thing, man. Like I, I know that if you hit the feeder bar enough times, the thing will pop out, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, shit, what else, what else can I do? I gotta let my big dog out. Hang on a second. What's the guy's name? He's all over your Instagram. He's, he's got, he's got his own character. Budgie. Yeah, my man. Um, go outside, buddy. Go, go. God, I'm blowing my house up right now. Um, yeah, dude, I need. Uh, that's the next like little. Where, where in Europe? I, uh, I don't know. I'd love to go. I mean, I've been a few places over there. Uh, it'd be cool to go somewhere that speaks German because I'm decent with that. But it doesn't have to be. Um, I'll go wherever. Just somewhere cool and somewhere that'll have a wall for us. You know, one in, you know, anyone in Wolfsburg? Wolfsburg? Yeah. Uh, isn't that where Volkswagen's from? It is where Volkswagen's from. And one of my favorite people in the history of my life just signed, she's at the prime of her life. She just signed a deal with Wolfsburg women's team, which is in soccer, basically the Barcelona of, world football and women's soccer so oh, yeah. i don't know if that takes a, a a a text to someone that might know someone that might open a door but if it if it if that means something we could do dude i would love to see the next level of the two mats taken to the world stage man i mean it's i gotta say i gotta say this um I've been in the Charlotte scene for long enough now to understand who is who, what is what, and where is where. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I appreciate you and, and both of you guys, uh, but you for being the, the, the guy that you are, the, the individual who is unafraid to go after what it is you want, and your ability to appreciate people that appreciate you. So I, it was vastly important for me to get you on the show and vastly important for me to see where you're ready to go and what, what life the next few years of life looks like for you, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, we write the book, you know? So if you had one piece of advice as we round it out to give to, to the, to the tribe, people listening, what would you say? What would I say? Um, just, uh, do what you like. And, uh, and don't do it for any other reason than the fact that you like it, you know, um, do what you like to do. And if you, if you focus on that, the universe will take care of you one way or another. Um, it always gets out of, out of your way. Once you declare, once you decide if you're, if you're grinding away at something that you absolutely hate and I get it, there's reasons that you, you can't get out of certain things, but 
if at the same time you actually do what you like to do and it's it's coming from that honest place of like i do this whether i get paid or not you know i just this is what i what i like um i find that that was that's one of the bigger components to success um just because there's an honesty to it you're living uh honestly at that point if if you're doing what you like there's no yeah. bullshit in that you know um yeah. Hooker, man, you spent almost an hour of your time with me and knowing how important your time is um, to you. I appreciate you, big man. And yeah. hope, moving forward, anything that I can do to keep pushing your, your story forward, um, I hope I can do that for you. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on.